0: All right, welcome back to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. This is an abrupt TikTok Live. I'm hitting record on the audio to upload this on Spotify. We're going to be diving into 1 John. We had someone ask in the comment section if we could go over 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 18 and, and, and that section. However, we're going to start a little bit before that. So uh, for everybody listening in on Spotify or Apple, this is obviously a pre-recorded live stream that I was on TikTok with. So I will now get back to addressing the people watching live. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, so as I said, I want to start a little bit before uh, because there's context, right? So I want to start here at verse 15 where Paul, uh, where John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I wanna talk about this because some people get confused here as well. I've heard people say like what what does this mean like how do I know if I'm loving the world because I, I love going out and doing a nature walk I love hanging out with my kids and going to the park I love you know doing these things with my family I love uh, the beautiful food that we have, the nice meals that we have like Mike am I loving the world and this can be confusing if that's how we take it however John again describes exactly what he means here in verse 16. You see, first let me explain to you this word world. When we see it in the English, it's actually the Greek word cosmos. Uh, Let me go ahead and link this to my dictionary so we can look at it a little bit closer. Pull up the dictionary. Okay. Is that, is it, is it doing the word? Come on, there we go. So the universe, the world, the sum total of created things, a Jewish conception, the word has acquired a bad sense in Isaiah, um, example 1311, and in 1311 it says, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity, I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. The sum of the fear surrounding heathen nations, the powers of the heathen world, world, at once destructive and corruptive, hence the world as apart from God its creator, the world as self-sufficient, consequently running counter to its creator, and thus evil in its tendencies. So in case you don't understand what that's saying right here, um, one of the definitions is the world That's in opposition of God. And then the third definition is the inhabited world, uh, meaning the, the people, right? So you can have, so it can mean the universe. It can mean the actual earth. It can actually mean the people on the earth, the sum total of created things, or like we just read. The heathen nations, the power of the heathen world, at once destructive and corruptive, hence the world as apart from God. Now, how do we know which one is being, how, which way this definition is being used or which way this word is being used? Well, that's where context comes in. So if we just stop right here, you might say, okay, Mike, what do you mean, do not love the world? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Which world is John referring to? Well, he tells us right here, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These three things are what he's talking about. And if you really think deeply about these three things, these are the three things that literally drive all sin name a sin and it falls in these if you if you lust it's the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes uh the arrogance and boastfulness that's the pride of life uh lying comes depending on why you're lying it could be the desires of the eyes it could be the pride of life it could be desires of flesh our greed our jealousy our anger all of these things stem down to these very things right here now Can you love the world how God created it? Yes. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the world that is in opposition of God. So let me give you an example. If you allow your love of entertainment to override your love for God. So what do I mean by that? Let's say that we were all watching The Chosen because we're like, we love The Chosen, right? Because I know a lot of people do. And let's say The Chosen crosses a boundary of blasphemy. Would you be like, well, I just love this show and you overlook blasphemy because of your love for entertainment? Do you overlook blasphemy? Uh, uh, do you go into situations where the world is glorifying worldly things? For example, like those songs by like that guy Sam Smith, right? You're, you're, you're okay with the, the rebellion against God and you're, you're just participating in these things, the world's uh, desires, sexuality and drugs and pain and, and violence and all these different things that come of the world. And he says, this is not of the father, but it is of the, from the world. And then it says, the world is passing away along with its desires, meaning these things will be gone. So why cling to them? Why hold to them? If, if a life raft is sinking and, and the life raft is full of all the things you love, why would you hold on to it when you have another life raft next to you that the Lord is in and it's not sinking? Don't hold on to what is of the world. And a lot of people in Christianity, they want to hold on to both. They want to come to God with 98% of their hand empty, but they don't want to let go of some things. I remember uh, Dr. James White once said that faith, true living faith is the empty hand reaching to God. The empty hand saying, I don't want anything but you. I'm willing to let go of anything if you ask me to. I'm willing to let go of anything for you Uh, because you're, you're reaching for God and nothing else. But yet there are some people that want to reach for both things. They want to hold on to as much of the world as possible. And sometimes you see this uh, manifest in the type of questions that they ask. Uh, Sometimes I see people ask these questions like, can I do this? Can I do that? And sometimes it's from a genuine place, and I understand that. But often, it sounds like people are trying to find out how much of my old life do I have to let go of? How much, what is the minimum I have to give to the Lord in order to be saved? And that it demonstrates a a poor understanding of the gospel. It demonstrates a lot about a person's faith. When we start running down this question of what do I have to do here? That's why I tell you guys all the time, the what is a, if you're asking about the what more than the why, then we have a problem because my why is I want to hold on to the things that are of God. I want to hold on to what my eternity will consist of. I've asked this question before and I think a lot of people have benefited from the question, but if you could look ahead a thousand years into eternity, would the you of the future look at you today saying what I was doing benefited me now? Like, is what you're doing today benefit to your eternity? Is what you're doing today at all productive towards the kingdom? Is what you're doing today something you would look back at and be like, man, I'm glad I did that? Or would you look back being like, wow, I wasted that time? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm in in the uh, eternal kingdom with my God for a thousand years and I look back at something that we don't have in the kingdom because it was sinful, but I was holding on to it, I'd probably be like, wow, I was really wasting my time right there, huh? I really could have been doing something better with my time. Now, let's see what he goes on to after that. After explaining about the the things of the world, he then dives into saying, children, it is the last hour. And this is an important statement. Um, I've told people we're in the last days or the last hour and they go, oh my goodness, when do you think it is? Because they hear that phrase and they think I'm saying like the end is coming tomorrow. But there's actually time frames in the Bible so after Jesus rose from that moment we're in the last days the last days is that that final moment between his resurrection and his return that so we've been in the last days since he rose we're in the last days now and then he says and as you have heard that antichrist is coming so he identifies it as that antichrist which is one but then he says so now many antichrists have come so we see that antichrist and then many antichrists have come Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They, so what is they uh, talking about? The Antichrists. It's the only way this grammar is going to work here. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out. That it might become plain that they are all, that they all are not of us. Now you might ask, so, Mike, is it saying that anyone who leaves us, or is it talking about antichrists specifically? Who are these antichrists? What is what is John referencing when he talks about these antichrists? And he is talking about anyone who walks away from the faith and anyone who rejects Jesus. We're going to come back up, but let's go down real quick to see how it describes what the antichrist spirit is. In verse 22, John says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is is the antichrist he who denies the father and the son no one who denies the son has the father whoever confesses the son has the father also so what is an antichrist he who denies the father and the son what does someone who leaves the faith do? They deny the Father and the Son. What does someone who never comes to the faith do? Deny the Father and the Son. So when, this is, when someone tries to tell you that, well, this is only talking about antichrists, yes, well, everyone who leaves the faith is an antichrist because if they're rejecting Jesus, by definition, they are, in anti, they are antichrist. So yes, this applies for every single person who leaves the faith. Deconstructionists, whatever you want to call them, he says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Why would they have continued with us? Because of their sanctification by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the cross references here. Acts 20, verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Deuteronomy thirteen thirteen, That certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. I love Deuteronomy 13 because when it talks about that, it actually starts by saying, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, excuse me, with all your soul. And I love that because, this is proof that I don't care about signs and wonders. I care about the gospel. Because it's saying here that even if someone does some signs and wonders and has a good prophecy, if they lead you away from Yahweh, if they lead you away from the one true God, then that's God allowing that that prophet to do... Uh, do uh, uh, to do signs and wonders, because no sign and wonder can happen without God's permission. And people always ask me, well, how do you account for these signs and wonders from these people that, you know, you disagree with? For example, uh, Marian uh, aberrations, right? How do you account for these miracles? Well, the Bible tells me that God actually tests his people by allowing false signs to happen to see, do you follow your emotions and what you've seen with your eyes, or do you follow the truth that you know is set before you in the revelation of God? Now let's go back to 1 John. They went out of us, but they were not of us. Yeah. They went out from us, but they were not of us. And if they would have been of us, they would have continued with us. And I asked, why can John say this? And this is because of sanctification. And this is something I feel like they don't discuss enough in the church today and honestly I think the reason why people think you can lose your salvation is because they forgot what sanctification is let me take you somewhere that comes to mind when I think about the best way to show you this I think Romans 6 would be the best one is it Romans 6 it is Romans 6 talks about how you were once a slave to sin but now you have become a slave to God and I love it what it says right here verse 22 but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. I want you to hear that for a moment. People love this verse, for the wages of sin is death. Cool, I love it too. Listen what was just said here. When you became a slave of God, And you might not like that terminology, too bad. Paul tells you that whatever you submit yourself to in obedience, you are a slave to that thing. So when you submit yourself to sin, you're a slave to sin. When you submit yourself to God, you're a slave to God. And it says when you become slaves to God, you get something. And that thing you get, the fruit you get, leads to sanctification. And it doesn't stop there. It says leads to sanctification and its end. So if I'm a slave to God, I have to get the fruit that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. If you're saying I can lose my salvation so I don't get to this part, we read that out. Let's turn that red. Are you saying that God's a liar that the fruit I get can lead to sanctification but sanctification can fail? You see, we skip over this idea. We forget that once the Holy Spirit's in you, he is conforming you to the image of his son. Romans 8 says it clearly right here. If I scroll down. He who searches your, nope, not there. And those whom he predestined, oh, no, no, go back. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So he is making you like him. And Hebrews 12, I've pointed this out many times before, in Hebrews 13, I mean, no, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, he says what? He says that uh, when we're being disciplined, it is for discipline that you have to endure. And it comes down here, and I want you to read verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You will; It will get you there. God does not fail on what he starts. In fact, the beginning of this chapter says we can look to him who's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who perfects our faith. Go back two chapters. It says that he is the one who is perfecting all who are being sanctified. Right here in, in Hebrews 10, it says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. In John chapter 17, he asks the Father... Right here, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Amen. So we know that sanctification happens in the believer. And once it happens, the Lord does not fail. Now, the process might take longer for some because they grieve the spirit. They fight back against it. They grumble about it. Look what he says here. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. In the very next chapter, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And no one ever likes to read that next part. But the next part then says what? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then he goes on saying, do all things without grumbling and disputing. So let the Lord work in you. Let the, the, the Lord guide you. Let's go back to First John if they had been of us, they would have continued with us because the Lord would have been in them. And he, and he applies this at verse 20 because he says, but you, the ones that didn't leave, right? You have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And you might say, well, Mike, wait a minute, wait. I don't know everything. I don't know the truth. And what does it mean? I know Jesus said you won't have a teacher and, and, and no longer will you call someone rabbi. And 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 uh, in the Old Testament, it says that a day is coming when, you know, they won't have to tell anybody. Everybody will, or they will all know my name. What What's happening here? And the truth is that is fulfilled in the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Holy One, right? What did Jesus say back to Peter? He said, flesh and and bone did not reveal this to you. Only my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You see, the Holy Spirit is who reveals all truth to us. And even as Christians, you might think, Mike, you're a teacher. I've said this before to you guys. If you're not new here, you've heard this. I don't teach you a single thing. I read the word and I let the spirit speak through me so that the spirit in you hears it because you will be woken up to it. That's why a lot of times when you hear something that you're like, oh my goodness, it's not I just learned something, but rather like I've, I just didn't know how to say it. I know you felt this way before you're like, I I feel like I've known this from the moment I met Christ. I've just never been able to like verbally actually state it. Because the spirit in you is guiding you to all truth. And sometimes your flesh has to get out the way. And that's what we do for each other. We guide each other. We disciple each other. But it's not me teaching you. It's the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you. And he's doing all that work. Because if it was just Mike and you, both our flesh, we'd end up at, I don't know, strip club or something. Because our flesh is evil and wicked. (laughs) In the words of Vodibachim, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch. Verse 21, he says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And then he describes what the Antichrist is. We read this together. And then he ends this little area saying, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. See what he says. He says, if that is true, if you believe what you heard, if you believe that he is the son of God, if you believe the word that you received, then you too will abide in, or sorry, you too will abide in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life if you believed in the word that was presented to you when the gospel was given to you. That sounds so familiar. This is what me and JD mean when we say the scriptures harmonize. These people that cherry pick, they can't jump other places because there would be a contradictions. Um, But there's no contradictions when you let the scriptures speak for themselves. That sounds just like this right here. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So he said, when you believe in him, you believed in the gospel, you were sealed with a promise that's a guarantee. A promise that's a guarantee. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Because if he abides in you, then you abide in him. Let his truth be written on your heart. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it it has taught you abide in him. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let anyone make you feel like you're stupid, like, well, maybe I'm just looking at everything wrong and I'm just going to listen to you. Don't trust not a single one of us Christian content creators, theologians, scholars, apologists, evangelists, none of us. Let us speak, take our word, and you go to the word of God and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Pay attention. The one who wants to pull you away from the Holy Spirit is not your friend. The one who wants you to not listen to the Holy Spirit and reject the Holy Spirit but listen to them is not your friend. Jesus warns us this in John chapter, I believe it's John 7 actually, when we talk about whose glory someone is seeking. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. There are people that are going to try and deceive you. But those that have the anointing in you, you're not going to have to worry about anything. You will stay in the truth. Notice that this message is for those to know. They left and they're not of us. We must remember that they are out here in the world and they are going to reject the Lord. They're going to stand against the Lord and they want you to come with them. They want you to be deceived. They want you to fall into it. And you might say, Mike, well, if we can't lose our salvation, why would they want that to happen because even though you might not if, if you're really in Christ you're right you can't lose that salvation but if you spend all your time some, somewhere else doing something else focusing on the wrong things focusing on how to make sure I get saved make sure I don't lose my salvation make sure I'm doing the right thing you're not preaching the gospel you're not out worrying about others you're not out, out serving others I can't wait to stand before the Lord and watch all the people explain why they weren't out feeding people but rather sitting inside studying scripture all day long I I love studying scripture don't get me wrong but I have a feeling that if I know my father in heaven as much as I think I know him he's not happy if all you do is read scripture if you're not loving people if you're not feeding people if you're not bringing people the word if you're not bringing people love I mean imagine standing before the Lord as someone who sat in your house heretic hunting for 20 years but you didn't go out and hug a single person hand a single plate to a person or say like I love you to a single person That's why I tell these youngins on this app, you'll get 17-year-olds that read a couple books. They think they know everything, and they're like, debate me, debate me, you clown, debate me. You're scared of me. They're full of this pride of the world, just like we read earlier, the pride of life. They think they are more valuable than they really are, even though James tells us we are nothing but a vapor. When I pass away, the world will keep spinning. No one will miss me. Y'all will cry for a moment, and the world will continue, because it's all about the Lord. It's all about his word. It's all about the truth. And I tell these youngins, go out and live the gospel before you try and teach it. Because anybody can read books. But if you don't live the gospel, how do you know the Lord? Because the Lord is, a, our God is a God of action. Our God don't sit on the couch. If you want to find the Lord, go out there. That's where he's at. You want to know the best moments in my life ever when it comes to my spirituality, when it comes to my faith? It's been in the, in the field Serving all the way back to when my father would go out and feed the homeless every weekend and I would go out with him just seeing this, the light shine from my father. Before I even knew anything about God, I somehow knew more about God than I could ever imagine because the love of the Father in heaven shined through my father. And then when I go out and I've served, and to see people, and not just serving, like just helping people, having a conversation with someone that hasn't been talked to, giving someone a hug that people look down on and they're scared to touch because they're worried about some diseases, to let them feel your embrace. You want to see the face of God, you'll see it in love. Or you could be that kid who just reads books, who studies the menu but never tastes the meal. Who studies the menu but never sits with the chef. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. We should be walking with the Lord every single day, guys. I'm going to turn on the comments, see if we got any questions uh, going on in here after we did this little First John chapter 2 study. Hope you guys are having an amazing night. Let me go ahead and get some water for those listening on Spotify. uh, Sorry if you hear me chugging. No problem, guys. No problem. Um, Oh, I just realized I turned the music off. Someone said, uh, please post. Hey, yo, stop requesting to come in my live stream, man. I just declined this person like seven times and they keep requesting it. I don't want to debate with you Muslims. Like, I don't. I could care less about your fake religion. Um, Someone said, please. So I am, uh, Jen, I am actually literally recording this right now on my uh, GarageBand audio. So this will be on Spotify. This will be on Apple. I will literally put it on tonight as soon as I finish because this won't be very long. Uh, This is actually a very short uh, little recording. I've only got 25 minutes recorded. Um, and in fact you know what I'm going to end it now So it can be an upload on just 1st John So for everybody listening on Apple and Spotify uh, Thank you for tuning in For this little quick 25 minute session I hope that it blessed you I hope that you're right now If you're not already in 1st John Because you were listening with me in 1st John Maybe you're out in the car Maybe you're uh, at work First of all I hope you're having an amazing day And I hope that you do all things unto the Lord Keep doing that unto the Lord And focus on the Lord And, and when you get home go go read the word of God Go dive into it and enjoy the Word of God because First John is a beautiful letter. People always ask me all the time, how can I be sure that I have the Holy Spirit? How do I know God is with me? And First John is one of those letters that brings you confidence in your salvation and gives you hope. So thank you guys so much for joining. Um, as always, God bless and go in peace.